Hello and welcome to Ameliorism episode 19. I hope everyone is doing well and I hope everyone in the UK is transitioning to the winter, you know, we're getting into uh, cold territory and I definitely can feel it so I hope everyone around the world is adapting to the changing seasons and I'm well you know I'm doing good thank you for asking <laughs> I'm doing good I'm doing good I'm just living my life you know and just being grateful for every day that I have on this earth and just trying to have more perspective you know like I feel like one of the things that I've learned a lot more recently is how to have vigilance so whether that be spiritual vigilance emotional vigilance being cognizant of my emotional well-being looking after my mental health identifying triggers those kind of things have been really really useful for me and I think that applying that lens to my everyday life allows me to have a more varied perspective on things and I really appreciate that so that's kind of one of the things that I'm working on at the moment and today's episode I really wanted to focus on how we adapt to this modern day society so like not necessarily you know within each country but more so around how we adapt to the technological era and the impact that that has on our physiological, psychological and physical well-being. So my main focus today is to look at the impact that technology has on our hormonal chemistry and also just explore the way that some of our hormones work in general and some of the things that I've learned through research that I've done in the past to enable me to have more mental vigilance because I think once we understand how our mind works or how our brain works then we understand how our mind works then we understand how our thoughts work and we're able to be more aware and self-awareness is is one of my key fundamentals so I think that it will be beneficial for everyone too. And some of the things that I'm going to say probably isn't breaking the mould. I'm sure lots of people know about these things. But I think that from my personal experience, I've learned so much from reading certain books. And I just wanted to pay that forwards and also share my experiences of anything that I've watched or learned about. But first, I wanted to read some of the quotes that I have left on the platform Goodreads. This is one of the platforms that I spoke about in depth on my last episode or in in my last episode and one of the things that you can also do is save some quotes that you read in the book and then you can share it with the community and yeah I can just look back through it and reflect on some of the things that I left and one of the quotes that I read that I always remember and it always stuck with me as soon as I read it it kind of embedded in my mind and it's just a really great quote. So there's a war between two wolves inside everybody. One is anger, jealousy, greed, resentment, inferiority, lies and ego. The other's good. It's love, peace, beauty, happiness, truth, hope, joy, humility, kindness and empathy. Who wins? And their reply was the one you feed. So I always feel like that is quite an interesting dynamic, you know, within oneself, the things that we struggle with or the conflicting energies that we have within ourselves and how we actually learn to manage those energies. And I think that I personally understand that tug of war at times and we're not perfect. So we definitely can give into one side one day and then the other day 
you know, given to the other. But as long as we're aware of those two factors, then it helps. It helps to guide how we react in life. And that's a book by M.K. Asante. And the book's called Buck, a memoir. So here it just says, uh, it tells the story of M.K.'s, so that's M.K. Asante's, youth growing up in Philadelphia from the perspective of a teenager. And he illustrates his struggles with the disintegration of his family and the city's urban decay, which is a really good book. I definitely recommend it. I think it's a really, really strong read. And yeah, there's a lot of gems in there. I also read the small version so the art of war so the book art of war the original is i know it's hefty oh really that can't be right anyway the art of war is quite a big read but i've read a condensed version of it and i took a few quotes from it i think i only read it because it made me sound intellectual (laughs) to be honest with you i don't think i really read it because i was interested in it but there were some quotes that i read that again i documented so one of them is know your enemy know yourself and victory is never in doubt not in a hundred battles and also the victorious army is victorious first and seeks battle later the defeated army seeks battle first and seeks victory later so yeah quite self-explanatory there but i found them really interesting sun tzu wrote the art of war another book that i found really useful was the little book of calm i used to have quite a issue with anxiety i think i'm managing it better but i still have it but this little book of calm had quite a few highlights for me so i'm just going to read them out to bear ill feelings towards someone else is more damaging to the bearer than the recipient for your own sake forgive quickly and freely that's one recognize the difference between having and living which is also very fundamental because I feel like in a society today, like everyone's kind of focusing on, or a lot of people do focus on instant gratification or what we have. So the physical things that we have in our lives are not necessarily the experiences of living life. And yeah, this just really resonated with me when I read it. There is seldom any rational reason for having regrets about past deeds or events because the past does not exist in any other way than in your memory. When you recognise this lack of reality, you can become calm. That's the third one. There is little doubt that those who get the most from life are those who look for the wonder and even the smallest things they do. Cultivate this skill and you'll find peace and satisfaction as well. So Paul Wilson is the author of The Little Book of Calm. It's a really small book and it's very well structured. So I feel like you can just go in there, read a page and actually reflect on that. You don't have to read the whole thing in one go but I would recommend it especially if you do have issues with staying calm and needing to find clarity of mind that book is just quite useful it's very practical you can go back to it so that's in my list and the last quote that I want to read is from Eckhart Tolle from The Power of Now which is a guide to spiritual enlightenment he says you attract and manifest whatever corresponds to your inner state food for thought so yeah they're all the quotes that I have written and I share with the community I thought that I shared one from Marilyn Monroe and it got like yeah so I never know whether this is something that I've shared or something that someone else has shared or I've just liked it. But yeah, it got like 15,000, wait, 156,000 likes. And I feel like that can't be my quote that I posted. It's so weird because it's like, (laughs) 
<laughs> Even if it was, like, why do I care about how many people liked it? But it's that kind of uh, numbers game, isn't it? That that thing where, like, we care about other people liking what we do validates that activity or the quote in itself. But basically what it was, was, I'm selfish, impatient, and a little insecure. I make mistakes. I'm out of control and at times hard to handle. But if you can't handle me at my worst, then you sure as hell don't deserve me at my best. And that was from Marilyn Monroe, which... I may have extracted and posted on Goodreads, but who knows? I just don't know if I did that or if I like someone else's quote. It's confusing to me, but that's also a good quote that I found. And I just wanted to start off today's podcast with a few quotes because I didn't get to finish the episode with all of that information. I actually forgot about the quote section. And then, you know, like a few days later, I was like, oh, I should have done that as well. That would have been quite a good shout. But, you know, that's why we have fluidity. That's why I have free range. I can do whatever I want. So I can add the quotes to this episode. And then I can talk about some of the things that I want to talk about today. So today we're going to be talking about hormonal triggers, responses, and how our external environment can impact on our internal well-being. So I'm still not sure what I'm going to call this episode because I had about three or four different titles and I've changed them so many times and yeah we just have to watch the space and see what I end up calling it but I was initially motivated to talk about this because I read a book called and I really should have the book with me right now I'm going to get it one minute Habits of a Happy Brain by Loretta Graziano Bruning PhD so the book focuses on retraining your brain to boost your serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin and endorphin levels. To be honest, before I read this book, I didn't know the difference between any of those hormonal responses. I thought they were all the same, to be honest with you. I would use them interchangeably. <laughs> I would say, oh, that was a great one. Like, I'll probably feel my dopamine or I'll probably feel my serotonin or endorphin. Like, reading this book was really interesting for me because it actually allowed me to define them and differentiate amongst them and understand how they all operate. So yeah, so just to summarize in terms of what it all means, let me just find this the page. <laughs> there are four special brain chemicals and the way that it breaks them down is as follows. Dopamine produces the joy of finding things that meet your needs. So when you say, ah, I get it now, I understand, that increases your dopamine. That's the kind of thing that they're referring to. I think it also relates to like gaming. So like if you play games like I do and it's very objective based and you achieve something and you get to the next level, that also increases your dopamine when you are on social media and there's that continuous scroll mechanism. That means you're seeking information and constantly getting a source of information which can also activate dopamine in the body. Endorphins. This was quite interesting because I didn't actually know that this is what endorphins were. Especially when I said that I was going for a run and it would increase my endorphins. It says endorphins produce oblivion that masks pain, often euphoria. So yeah, that euphoric feeling when you finish a run or do anything else that's like a physical exercise, like that actually does increase your endorphins. Oxytocin produces the feeling of being safe with others, 
which is also called bonding or known as bonding. So if you're hugging someone and you get that warm, fuzzy feeling, like that's oxytocin, building friendship, having a community of people around you, that's also a an environment that builds on oxytocin. And lastly, serotonin, which is producing the feeling of being respected by others pride so serotonin isn't something that I really knew about beforehand um I actually thought that it was opposite of melatonin which just doesn't make sense at all but yeah interesting (laughs) I was all about melatonin as well a little bit later but yeah serotonin is the feeling of being respected by others so pride and in terms of what it helps you to do dopamine motivates you to get what you want even if it takes a lot of effort Endorphins motivates you to ignore pain so you can escape from harm when you're injured. Oxytocin motivates you to trust others, to find safety in companionship. And serotonin motivates you to get respect, which expands your mating opportunities and protects your offspring. So yeah, I found all of this very, very interesting. And there's also a section that talks about how our brains operate. So there are so many different parts of our brain that have different functions and I'm not going to go into it too much because you know it's not my area of expertise but I think one thing that I did find and I did realize is that everything that operates within our brain can be triggered by external stimuli and that's why it's so important to be aware of what we indulge in and what we invest our time in because that's going to have a subsequent impact on your your chemistry like your emotional chemistry like your hormonal chemistry your physical and mental and emotional well-being everything has a part to play so that's why I mentioned diets being really important and not just the ones that you eat like the ones that you actually actively choose to indulge in so whether that be the tv shows that you watch the music that you listen to the books that you read, you know, the friendship groups that you have, like everything has um impact on your emotional well-being. Another book that I read that really helped me to understand my mind was The Chimp Paradox by Professor Steve Peters, which is on the back. I'm just going to I'm just going to read the back, which is a book that says the following. The Chimp Paradox is an incredibly powerful mind management model that can help you become a happy, confident, healthier and more successful person. Professor Steve Peters explains the struggle that takes place within your mind and then shows how to apply this understanding to every area of your life so you can recognize how your mind is working, understand and manage your emotions and thoughts, manage yourself and become the person you would like to be. And he talks about three separate areas of your mind. So your brain, sorry. The you, which is how you think. The So it says the human is you and you live in your frontal lobe. The chimp is your emotional machine. And then there is the psychological mind, which is like the computer where all the information is stored. So that's like the automatic functioning part of your body and mind. So obviously there's many ways of looking at the mind. There's many ways of looking at your emotional well-being. I wanted to read this book to have more awareness again it's going to be the keyword of the day and I felt like it was useful so going back to habits of a happy brain another thing that I wanted to cover was our neural pathways and this is how we form habits and behaviors 
And just to find another source, I used from Wikipedia, but, you know, they have a whole verification process. So I'm going to use it as a reputable source. And they have said here, neural pathways are seen as controlling different aspects of behavior. This regulation is enabled by the dopamine pathways. In the book, they mention that you can essentially create new neural pathways which will build on new habits. In a nutshell, there's so much more to this than I care to go into because it's way more complex than that. And I am not qualified to speak about the intricacies of it all, okay? But essentially, you can develop neural pathways through repetition. So if you create new neural pathways through repetition, that helps. And also you can develop a strong neural pathway through emotion. So if something was to happen and that affects you deeply, then that will build a neural pathway. And I believe, I'm not 100% on this, but I believe that this would influence your reaction to things like that in the future. So I think that's where people get like PTSD and things like that because they've they've essentially built a new neural pathway and it's embedded within them. And I think that's why things like CBT, which is the Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, does really help to unwire some of those hard-coded connections in the brain and help you to to work through things. So I found that really interesting and one of the things that I wanted to do was to have healthier habits. I think one of the things that I have an issue with, I'm being totally honest, is gaming. I game for way too long, like Zelda, which is the game I'm playing at the moment. I have been playing that for about 57 hours and let me just explain... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you explain what, like how long that's been it's been over at least over like a month and a half so obviously I log on and I play and then I log off and then it just gives me a cumulative total so obviously I'm not sitting there for 57 hours I'm playing over time and what I find is that if I can see the games console near me I get tempted like my brain goes all right cool you're gonna play some games and I'm like no, actually, because I'm busy. I've got other things I need to be doing. And I have to try and like reroute my energy or divert my attention away from that so that I can get on with what I need to get on with. But I think that it's not necessarily healthy to have that urge to jump on and play games all the time. But I think what I have done is I've rerouted the energy I put into social media into gaming. That's facts. <laughs> That's facts. Like I think I've definitely started to read more. But overall, I definitely think that there's a correlation there and it's definitely something that I need to work on. So building neural pathways was very interesting for me. And the book says that apparently it takes 45 days to build a new habit. So for example, if I was to say, right, I need to stop gaming so much, I would have to put some steps in place to ensure that I did something else whenever I felt tempted. So I could say, right, when I have a break, I don't go onto my Nintendo, I read a book or I, I would say have some food, but I don't think that's going to help because over time it starts to add up right um but yeah do something else that's more productive essentially and i think this applies to anything so whatever anyone's dealing with they can definitely find alternatives to occupy themselves with and over time that should hopefully help with reducing the reliance on the habit that you had before and i think in this technological era it's so much easier to become addicted to something and it's so much more 
accepted in society that we have a reliance on social media, that we check it multiple times a day, that we game often, you know, that we we do all these things online and it's part of our world. But a lot of the things that we do haven't been regulated. And that's the part that I think we can have a problem with as a people. And especially another factor is the actual physical impact of doing certain things. So obviously like me gaming constantly means I'm constantly searching for dopamine and I'm getting it through gaming. So whenever I achieve a goal or like I get to the next stage, I'm like, yay. And then I am just going to go on again until I go to the next thing. When you're online, when you're on social media, it's exactly the same thing. And it can be quite damaging, I personally think. And it is something that we need to be more aware of and we need to think about before we do them. Because if we don't, then yeah, we're going to F ourselves up. (laughs) Essentially, uh, and that's not cool and it's not cute. Um, Another thing that I wanted to talk about is how blue light disrupts our sleep and our circadian rhythm. I found this really, really interesting source from sleepfoundation.org and they describe circadian rhythms as follows. Circadian rhythms are 24-hour cycles that are part of the body's internal clock, running in the background to carry out essential functions and processes. One of the most important and well-known circadian rhythms is the sleep-wake cycle. Different systems of the body follow circadian rhythms that are synchronized with the master clock in the brain. This master clock is directly influenced by environmental cues, especially light, which is why circadian rhythms are tied to the cycle of day and night. When properly aligned, a circadian rhythm can promote consistent and restorative sleep. But when this circadian rhythm is thrown off, it can create significant sleeping problems, including insomnia. Research is also revealing that circadian rhythms play an integral part in diverse aspects of physical and mental health. So I used to use my phone all the time and I used to use it day and night. That's what most people do, right? What I found is that I wouldn't have a good sleep. I always used to have like insomnia, like back in the day, that was like very standard for me. Like I wouldn't be able to sleep throughout the night. I think now that I'm getting older, I know there's a few other factors like alcohol that definitely disrupts my sleep quite considerably at this point I can wake up in the middle of the night and just be awake like four o'clock in the morning so that's another reason why I cut back a bit well right now I'm not drinking so significantly cut back but yeah blue light was definitely a contributing factor and I can actually differentiate between the two because now that I'm not drinking I can rule that one completely out and if I am on my phone post 10 o'clock and I'm scrolling or whatever it is obviously not on social media but if I'm scrolling for YouTube or whatever If I'm doing anything online and then I go to sleep and it's post 10 o'clock, then I can almost guarantee that I'm ever going to have a nightmare. I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night or I'm just going to feel like super drained when I wake up because I haven't fully slept properly. It doesn't feel like I've slept properly. So these are the things that I became a lot more aware of recently. And it's not just mobile phones, it's like television. It's anything that has a screen, essentially. There is going to be a blue light that emits from it. And what I've done to try and mitigate that is is firstly I don't go on my phone post 10 o'clock I try my best not to anyway so that's one of the things that I do so yeah when it's 10 o'clock I'm done if I do need to go online so if I need to do something on my laptop for example then what I will do is I will wear 
blue light glasses and they have been great to be honest with you i bought them off etsy and they seem to really do the job as long as i wear them consistently and i do forget often but if i wear them late at night and then i go to sleep i find that i can sleep better and i won't have any weird dreams and like i feel like i sleep in a more uninterrupted way which is what i want so that's another thing and one of the impacts of blue light is melatonin suppression again this is another thing that i learned like maybe like a year ago or so but let me just explain like what that is for anyone that's not familiar so melatonin is a natural hormone that is produced by the pineal gland in the brain and then released in the bloodstream darkness prompts the pineal gland to start producing melatonin while light causes that production to stop as a result melatonin helps regulate circadian rhythm and synchronize our sleep-wake cycle with day and night as a result melatonin helps regulate circadian rhythm and synchronize our sleep-wake cycle with night and day in doing so it facilitates a transition to sleep and promotes consistent quality rest. The body naturally produces melatonin, but researchers and the public have increasingly taken an interest in external sources of it, such as liquids and capsules, as a way to address sleep difficulties. Studies have found that melatonin can improve sleep in certain cases, but it isn't for everyone. It is important to be aware of and carefully consider melatonin's potential benefits and downsides. People who want to use melatonin supplements should be also aware of issues related to dosage and the quality of supplements. So not sure if everyone's seen this, but online, especially social media, they do promote like melatonin pens and all types of melatonin supplements because essentially they're acknowledging that usage of the platform disrupts sleep, disrupts your circadian rhythm and can affect the quality of sleep that you get, which I think is quite disturbing Like to actually promote melatonin shouldn't be the first port of call it should be to address the usage of social media which would then help to balance melatonin and help the individual to have a better quality of sleep so to summarize where i'm at so far we have looked at the following endorphins oxytocin serotonin and dopamine dopamine is the one that i focus on the most in terms of how technology impacts on the secretion of that hormone obviously there's lots of other things that can activate dopamine but for the purpose of this podcast this episode i have explored certain factors like gaming that can affect it and also social media now one of the things that i have read about or watched a video on is dopamine fasting and funny enough funny enough i watched this about a year ago and i watched it and it was created by a company called after school and there was a collaboration with a youtube creator called one percent better and he said something really interesting in that on average, we spend three hours per day on our phone, which equates to 1,095 hours per year. Massive corporations are capitalizing off our activity, off the things that we do on our phones. So whether or not we want to believe that we are being influenced subconsciously, we are. It's definitely seeping into our subconscious minds and essentially influencing us perceptually. So this video is really interesting. I'm going to add it in my caption. It's really interesting because it looks at different replacements and different behavioral changes that you can make in your life to address dopamine addiction. Another thing that I found really interesting is that he speaks about Habits of a Happy Brain, which is the book that I referred to earlier. Now, I'm not sure if I watched this video a year ago and I added it to Goodreads and then I 
was like, okay, cool, I'm going to read the book. And then I just happened to come back to the video and think, oh my gosh, what a coincidence. Or this is a massive coincidence. <laughs> and I just added the book for a completely different reason and happened to watch this video again and realize that I had already heard about this author, which would blow my mind if I'm being honest. But yeah, he says that dopamine is a brain chemical associated with wanting and is triggered by new rewards. And um, that's why when you're online, you're constantly activated because when you're on social media, obviously it's infinite scroll. So it's like always something, always something to like keep you occupied and keep you watching, you know? And yeah, I feel like I'm freer because I don't do that anymore. Like sometimes I go on YouTube and I look for videos, but then if I don't find anything in the first few minutes, I'm able to stop. Whereas before I used to be just on social media for so long I couldn't even tell you how long honestly I don't even know it was shocking though it was actually quite shocking because I didn't know when I was doing it I don't remember like it wasn't like clear to me I was like what do you mean how have I got here like I don't understand well I was just going to call someone and now I'm scrolling through Instagram it was like it just managed to grab my hand and I like, do the thing so I had no control but yeah going back to the video I'll put it in my caption as I mentioned and I think that it is worth it I think that I have access to so much more time and I crave less for that kind of mental stimulation doesn't really like register in my list of things I want to do with my time. But as I said, put it into gaming. So don't let me sit here being all like great and, and fancy because I haven't I haven't nailed it really. I'm working on it. But yeah, so I think that's something that we can all think about and ruminate on there's another video by better than yesterday and i used to follow this guy for years like i appreciated his videos i was like these videos are so good i'm so annoyed that he doesn't get as much recognition as he deserves because he put time into the animation all his content is super valuable and has substance and i was like i really really hope that he gets his flowers and i went back okay i can't lie obviously i wasn't in every single video but i went back like a year later or so and he now has 1.41 million subscribers and i am so happy for him because he super deserves it like he really really does like he's a great person and yeah he talks about this and he says in his caption the following you probably don't have a problem playing video games or browsing social media on your phone. In fact, I have no doubt you could sit in front of a screen and do both of those activities for two hours or even longer without breaking your concentration. But what about half an hour of studying? That might be too hard. Or how about working on your side business for another hour? Doesn't sound too appealing. Even though you logically know that studying, exercising, building a business or something equally productive will bring you more benefits in the long run, you still prefer watching TV, playing video games and scrolling through social media. One might argue that it's obvious why. One activity is easy and doesn't require much effort, while the other activity is difficult and it requires you to apply yourself. But some people seem to have no problem studying, exercising or working on their side projects regularly, which begs the question, why are some people more motivated to tackle things? And is there a way to make doing difficult things easy? So again, I will link this in the captions. <laughs> But the comments in this one made me laugh. Like someone said, I have been clean for one minute. Pray for me. And someone else said, oh, was it this way? Yeah, bruh. <laughs> Sorry. I said, bruh, I can't even finish this video. <laughs> it got 6,000 likes. Like I was cracking up because I can't lie to you. Like I wanted to watch the video in advance of the podcast, but I was like, how long is it again? 
and it's 14 minutes which I think is quite long and I feel like I should watch it and then relay you know some of the key points um all right let me do that now I'll do that now one minute because I'm a hypocrite otherwise aren't I so really interestingly I watched it again and well I'm watching it again and one of the things that I forgot about was the fact that our bodies are constantly trying to go into homeostasis so it's trying to regulate everything essentially and when we're flooding it with dopamine it becomes more tolerant to to that level of dopamine which means that it becomes harder and harder to to get a surge of that hormone and to feel the effects of it so that's why you might game for longer or if you're yeah online then you'll scroll online for longer it doesn't hit in the same way do you know what I mean it doesn't have the same impact and um yeah I found that quite interesting and that's why I think right going back to my first ever episode about social media why I think that there's more of a disconnect than ever even though technologically we have more ways of communicating than ever because I think that it just gives us a level of lethargy where we're just like, okay, well, I can contact you here and here and here and here and here and there's so many options and it just loses its appeal. And I think that also goes back to like dating apps when people match, you know, like they might think, okay, this person is is nice and everything, but I'm also chatting to like 10 other people. So there's so much opportunity out here and like you never really focus on one thing over the other. There's just so many things vying for your attention that I feel like it is definitely difficult to to value what you have, like to value where your your energy should go and to appreciate how to, to laser in on something. And I'm just learning this now, like I'm thinking about it and I'm like, that makes so much sense to me because yeah, it's, it's just it's just mad. It's just so abundant nowadays. Like everything is so available, but I think that gives us less motivation to try for things because everything is so accessible. And what this video recommends is, is that you do a dopamine detox and you refrain from using any of those stimuli for like a week or a few days and that gives your dopamine receptors time to stabilize and to recalibrate essentially to go back to the levels they were at beforehand and then everything else becomes so much more rewarding so like for example if you the example that he uses in the video is that if you're going out to fancy restaurants and you're eating all this nice food, then basically you refrain from doing that for like a week or so, maybe two weeks, three weeks. And then you just have like very basic food. And then when you try something else, again, like you're kind of back to appreciating it instead of it being like the norm. Or like if you had like a bowl of rice and you hadn't eaten for a while, obviously then it's going to taste amazing. It's like little things that you try and do to recondition yourself, essentially. And I think it's a really good way of going about it. Like obviously my whole thing with social media and the reason I stopped is, well, the reason that I took a break and stopped was because I realised that it wasn't making me feel good. And I just said to myself, I'm going to go on a break. I'm going to go on a one month break. But as soon as I went on that break, I realized how much I liked it. And I just never went back. So, yeah, I mean, it's worth a try. I mean, why not? If you do it and you want to go back, then obviously that's also fine. But I think it's just that clarity, that clarity of mind that you get from taking a break from something and then realizing that actually you like it this way. It's like me like not going on my phone post 10 o'clock, realising that I like it and keeping it that way. Then I start to have a bit more routine and that routine is better for me and my body. So I'm going to continue with that.
I also watched a video yesterday morning, but in the comment section of the video, someone said, every day I say to myself, what am I doing with my day? Because I'm exchanging a day of my life for it. I'm paraphrasing here, but yeah, I'm exchanging a day of my life for whatever I'm doing today. So obviously it's got to be worth it, right? And that really stuck with me. And also links to my motivations to refocus my energy when I get distracted. So one of the things that I've obviously done and I'm doing right now is this podcast, right? I did this podcast because I felt like it would be beneficial to me and to other people that hear it. So therefore I created it. And it is hard, you know, sometimes like doing this solely by yourself. And when I do feel like I'm a little bit demotivated or I need to push myself and media tries to distract me, I always pull myself back by saying, look, the whoever you're watching online has already established themselves in their lives. They've already gained a level of notoriety. They've already gained a recognition and they're doing their thing. You watching them is not going to help you to elevate yourself. I'm speaking to myself when I say it this way. So I'm like, okay, cool. And that does really, really motivate me. So whenever you feel like you're getting distracted, if you want to go on social media and look what celebrities doing, sometimes if you think, you know, actually, I want to focus on myself. I want to elevate myself and build myself and create a life for myself. Then you never know, it might help. I don't know. I'm only just sharing what helps with me. But yeah, that's another thing. So lastly, I also wanted to speak about an individual called Chevy Ruff, who's a wellbeing specialist. And I attended one of his sessions yesterday. I found it really interesting because he was speaking about some of the things that I actually want to touch upon today. So he mentioned that it takes 23 minutes to recover concentration after being interrupted. So whenever you interrupt yourself and you're doing something, instead of having that clear focus, it's going to take 23 minutes to get back to where you were initially if you distract yourself. And obviously, I know sometimes it can't be helped, but if it's something that we can definitely stop doing, like using social media or just checking YouTube quickly, then, you know, hopefully that statistic should help to give you a bit of perspective on, you know, the actual impact of it. And he talks about all the things that you can do to essentially resettle your nervous system. So whenever you feel anxious or stressed, there are things that you can do to really help you. And I think that some of the things that we use anyway, like games or social media can increase anxiety, stress, cortisol levels, you know, and these are things that he mentioned that could help. Going for a walk, reading a book, doing yoga, watching something humorous, spending time in nature, spending time by yourself, and literally just sitting there and just chilling. Like maybe if you're outside, you can let people watch or like, you know, watch the world go by look at nature, look at some leaves, <laughs> wherever it is, you can definitely, definitely, you know, take time to, to just settle in to the moment. And there's also something called yoga nidra, which I don't know about. I'm going to look into it. I've written it down, so I can't really speak to it, but apparently it's very good. So I'm going to look into that and maybe one day I'll do an episode on that. But that's everything that I wanted to cover today. I'm still trying to think about what the hell I'm going to call this episode. I have no idea. So many, so many ideas for titles, but like nothing's actually really making sense. But yeah, I guess we'll just see once I publish it and you'll see what it's called then. So thank you very much for listening. As always, I appreciate you investing your time to listen to me. And I hope that you're all doing good and well and looking after your well-being. And I will speak to you in the next episode. Peace.
Peace. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. See you later.